I'm Neil Chambers. And I'm Jefferson Ulmer. And this is OCD Design Cast. This episode of OCD Design Cast, we're talking Oscars with the Sean Penn uh, statement. Also talking about the best and worst of the show of the movies that were nominated and what we thought should have been on those lists as well. We're talking climate shaming again, and we have with us Jay Michelson, who had a recent article out on the Daily Beast called Armageddon for Climate Change Deniers, going to talk about what is and is not climate shaming. We're also talking about tiny apartments and super tiny hotels in the U.S. and in Japan, and we're also looking forward to the new... House of Cards coming out. We're going to talk a little bit about House of Cards, the the original um, series by Netflix. And finally, Power Rangers, the dark side, a, oh, new, yeah. viral, <laughs> a new viral video that's out that is not kid-friendly. Uh-uh. So, Jeff. Sorry. Lots of stuff. Yeah, I was so pumped up I didn't even let you finish. Sorry about that. No, that's <laughs> fine. Also, I'm gonna give you a little update about my lead, my green building ordinance and my my uh, my my uh, my foray into concrete. All right, man. Sounds good. Let's do it, Jeff. So, man, um, so let's What's up? you know, so the Oscars, right? The Oscars, yep. the Oscars, the Oscars, um. So, uh, have you seen? So, best picture was Birdman, uh, Birdman and uh, Michael Keaton. Man, I'm not, Birdman. Uh, Birdman. Birdman. And I, <laughs> uh, and I guess I gotta say, I, I, he seemed. Uh, did you watch the? Did you watch the, the Oscars? No. I'm uh-huh. a, I, yes, I, I'm a horrible, horrible, dreadful person. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody could have was more was more excited about being at the Oscars and winning as Michael Keaton. And I, quite frankly, cool. I'm glad to see him around because I mean, me too, man. Uh, you know, Old I haven't school. seen Birdman, but I I have seen Beetlejuice and Batman. Yeah. Oh, there you go. He's played uh, Batman and Birdman. Well, right, and Beetlejuice, which all <laughs> starts with a B. <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> if I say it one more time, it's going to show up. You know? <laughs> hey, what's going on there? Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, gosh, oh, that was such a good movie. Um, yep. so uh, a lot of really great. I mean, you know, the thing is, it's like the Oscars are good, right? Yeah. I haven't seen Birdman, so I can't really talk about it. But you know, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. that was a good movie. Yeah, definitely wasn't anywhere in any Oscars uh, yeah. nominees. Um. There was a there was a list of of movies that the um, Nerdist. I don't know if you've seen if you ever go to the Nerdist website. Sometimes I do, um, yeah. And they had this uh, list of of the of the movies that the that the Oscars didn't pick. <laughs> yeah. And their list is pretty good. I'm trying to find it as we're talking, but it was it was you know it was things like. Um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and stuff right. like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think, yeah, I think that the Oscars, as well as like the Pulitzer Prize for writing and all that, would kind of t- have a tendency to shun um, genre films and books. Um, straightforward drama, although, I mean, there's some weird kind of. I don't know, magical realist kind of stuff happening in this Birdman movie. It's a drama. Mm-hmm. So, 
No, I agree. I think it, you know, you know, there's always a lot of comedies and stuff that never really find right. their way to, you know, that are really great yeah. movies. I mean, I, and I great was really writing surprised. And every, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that Ga- Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy was so good. I was not expecting to like it. Oh, man. But it was really good. I was like, wow. The I've writing, seen, I watched I, it. Yeah, the writing was freaking awesome. I mean, yeah, I, and the I, characters. I la- yeah, the character development, the writing. Um, I mean, the storyline, the humor, the timing. Of course, you have to have timing with humor. It was just like, it, it was good, man. It was it was a, an exciting film. But I haven't seen Birdman. I gotta see it. Cool. Yeah, you dropped out. I don't know if it, if. Oh, if you sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Let's keep going. So yeah, you know, like like, have you did you see Nightcrawler by any chance? No, but it is definitely on the list. Very good. I was I was like I was I was I, I rented that, watched it twice. The Lego Movie, another one like in terms of animation, great oh. movie that came out this year. That was, um, you know, uh, Big Hero Six won I think Best Animation uh, Oscar. I didn't think it was cool. good as the Lego movie. I think it was a much... I think the Lego movie was... Uh, the Lego movie was better than uh, Big Hero 6. Yeah. I thought Big Hero 6 was good, but it was way too mature for my kid. And, you know, in the end, it's all about my kid. The Edge of Tomorrow that came out, yeah. I thought was a good, really yeah. good movie. Yeah, no, cool. no Oscar love. Oh, yeah. But is it... So, you know... But is it art? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Apparently, I'm what I'm going to go see. I'm going to see Birdman as soon as it's free on Netflix. Yeah. But until then, I'm not going to see it. And as soon as I see it, we can talk about okay. it. Okay. That's all I can Me say. Me too. Anyhow, but right. the big thing with the Oscars was that Uh-oh. Sean Penn said something that a lot of people got upset about. He was like, when he was announcing Best Picture, yeah. um, he basically called the direct he said who gave this guy a green card he actually he said it yeah and and it was people got really upset with that apparently um because it seemed racist or xenophobic or both and what do you think jeffrey well when i first saw it i was like oh my god what and then i like you know we were talking about it a minute ago and and um seeing it in context it's obvious that it was a joke i mean i don't (laughs) You know, it's, you know, people will say, oh, that there's nothing funny about that. But, well, I mean, to have a situation where, um, you know, we have Best Picture, someone um, from a foreign country who's involved in this picture and he's winning Best, best Picture, that's that's awesome. The director, yeah, Al Jodar Garcia or Gonzalez, sorry, Gonzalez in and the thing is that, that, that here's the thing I think if people are racist yeah. around kind of Latinos, it did not stop him in any way by winning best director no. and Birdman winning best. Like, I, I, there's something about like the the opportunity of like you know, you know, there's always going to be stuff that's going to be pushing you down and fighting your momentum right. forward. And you know, but I mean, Sean Penn obviously knows this guy. Yeah. Obviously, was making a joke, and I, I kind of felt like you know what that it was like. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have experienced that, and it wasn't funny, and it wasn't yeah. during a good situation, and it touched a nerve. And I understand that. Yeah. 
and for them, it was, it's a there's a different personal story. But I think the joke itself and Sean Penn. I mean, you can't get someone, you can't get anybody yeah. any more liberal than Sean Penn. So that's true. I mean, he, he's he's totally open to anything. I mean, in fact, he married Madonna at one point. Yes, he did, and he <laughs> he punch, he punched a photographer too. That's pretty liberal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's liberated uh, too. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Okay, Anyhow, anyway, all right, so sorry. we can move on. So moving yeah. on, moving on. Um, there was uh, so I want to talk about these tiny apartments and and what you brought up was these uh, these what were yeah, they? They're, these they're, hotels. Well, I mean, they've been around for for quite a long time um, in in Japan and Tokyo. The capsule hotels. They're little capsule. pod. Yeah, little pod things that. Um, and I guess I guess this is still pretty much the case but a lot of the the salary men um will you know if they can't if they're working real late at night or whatever and they don't want to take the train all the way back home they can stay in one of these capsule hotels sleep for a few hours get back up and go to work um right and they have them in airports and different stuff like that too but uh yeah it's they've definitely um been dealing with space restrictions for quite a while i mean most of most of Japan is not really um, necessarily habitable because it's so hilly, um, so, mountainous. So yeah. just yeah. So just to describe this a little bit yeah. for the listeners, these are literally a like hole. single, <laughs> like they're they're yeah. It's a hole with a curtain of, on it. <laughs> yeah. It's the size of like a single bed, right? Right. right. And and there's no side. There's no space. It's there's no space no. between beside the bed. Yeah, it's literally just a mattress enclosed with a little bitty door. Yeah, at the front that you would crawl into. It yeah. looks more like a coffin than it does a bed. In right. fact, and that they're like, there's just lines of them. There's like four. There's like bays of eight of them, and they're stacked on top of each other. Right. Yeah, I, I need to see. I if mean, it, yeah. I mean, I wonder how what it would be like if I tried to get in one of those. <laughs> six eight. I think half of me would hang out. Yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're I mean, you know, they're quite um useful and popular in and um airports. So what do you think? Places. Wait, the square footage on these things, they're probably what? I don't even probably, know. Probably. Let's I don't, just I don't say know, like, 7 probably 7 two by square 3 meters. Feet. So they're, yeah, they're like 20 21 square feet maybe, right? If they're 7 feet long yeah, and 3 feet wide. Right. Let's just let's just say so Take that as that, Ugh. and then now, and now we now we fly over from uh, Japan to New York yeah. to the micro apartments yeah. that are being uh, built and should be finished apparently by a couple of different articles. One in Arc Daily came out said New York to complete first fabric uh, prefabricated micro apartments this year. It goes on to talk about that these apartments are going to be about two hundred and sixty square feet. Um, and they're going to be in the Brooklyn Navy Yard uh, this spring uh, with inhabitants in by the end of this year. Uh, cool. So, and they t- it talks a little bit about how, you know, the minimum air apartment floor area is 400 square feet right now in New York, which I've talked about in the past. I, I lived in like a 210 square foot apartment in oh – in the city, which apparently was not legal, I didn't. It's illegal. It was illegal to live in such small space. Um, wow. The 
the the built these apartments I see they they that these micro apartments they look they look good you know I, yeah. I don't like the fact that they're being geared towards singles I I feel like it only is going to uh, you know you know deconstruct the cultural fabric of New York more by, by like providing spaces only for singles and like you know if this become if these catch on they're gonna start popping up everywhere so. It's going to be an interesting kind of uh, dynamic, well, and that's... and people will live in those together. That will happen. Yeah, that will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make rent, um, yeah. Another, not just the the size of it though, but the fact that it's prefabricated, and in the picture it showed them sort of stacking stacking them as um, I don't know, like look like containers or something or yeah. modules that they're being stacked one on top of the other. Um, that's kind of amazing structurally to think about I guess they just had to I'm not sure I've, I've, I've never seen any of the drawings or anything but um, I'm not sure how they're how they um, work structurally do, do you know I mean are these like like shipping containers essentially where you can just stack a whole bunch of them one on top of the other and not have to worry about the bottom one being crushed. Well, the, well there's got uh, the I mean, structure to a point. itself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they probably build build them accordingly. There's probably, I, I've not seen the structural drawings either. Yeah. I would assume that they are some, there's some kind of racking system holding them in place. Yeah. You know, they're not, but I, I think you're right. I think like if they were yeah. just. Is it stacked you know, or cantilevered off a core or what? But. Look kind of cool. I would say that yeah, I mean it's cool. It's definitely cool. Um, the 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 ones that are going to open up in the Brooklyn Navy Yard are by N Architects, mm-hmm. um, and it it's cool. I, I also think about I just think about how if these things become really popular as well, the cost of living in Arch- in uh, in New York is going to skyrocket because suddenly if you can if you can if you can sell or rent an apartment, a 260-square-foot apartment for $2,000, which will be easy to do, um, your your 400-square-foot apartment now is going to be almost twice that, so you're going to look at $4,000. And if, God forbid, you have an 800-square-foot apartment, now that's four times that, so you're looking at $16,000 of rent. You know what I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> or like maybe that the maybe my math is off, but you what? get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, that is would be eight thousand dollars a square, eight thousand dollars a month, a month, eight thousand dollars a month to rent eight hundred square feet. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's what I see with this sucks. stuff as well. Like, like the economics. So the economics of if you are, you know, middle, lower class, or, or you know, that's your yeah. economic anything uh, but you know, real wealthy. <laughs> anything I mean, but real wealthy. And yeah. single, and yeah. single, right? Yep. You can't live in New York, and it will push out um, other people. And it's like, and you know, you and the thing about like you know these the economics of cities and stuff like that is that you the 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 market will not ignore the fact that these little places are being you know, rented true. for high price. They're not going to ignore it. But it will it will change the the value of prices well, around there yeah. around them. Well, definitely, so, there's definitely a feedback loop happening there because whoever built these things definitely knew the market and knew there was a market for this. So they're, you know, they're kind of creating their their um, apartments according to how they see the market, and then the market sees the apartments or whatever, and then it just kind of snowballs. It seems like that's 
it's, there's kind of a feedback loop, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly right. Um, so tonight we have Jay Michelson, who is an author, writer, teacher. He does a lot of his work is around the intersection of spirituality, sexuality, Judaism, and law. He is a columnist for, or has been a columnist for the Huffington Post and the Forward, as well as the Daily Beast. He caught my eye with a new article called from the Daily Beast called Armageddon for the Climate Change Deniers um, as just an our effort to really get all the sides of it. We're really excited to have him here. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. So I got to say, uh, before we jump into the, your article that, w- that came out on the Daily Beast this week, um, the books you write around meditation and stuff like the evolution of meditation, so very, very super cool. I just, I, yeah. I just let you know that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I know we're not. The, the, your most recent is called Evol- Evolving Meditation, right? Evolving Dharma, yeah. Meditation, yeah. Buddhism, Next Generation of Enlightenment. Nice. I wanted to give you a chance to plug that because it's uh, really cool. <laughs> Every um, little bit helps. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but the article you wrote uh, um, this week around the uh, climate change denier who got um, – actually, it seems like your article – was kind of came out of an article that was written from in the New York Times. It was around the same subject, and you were kind of taking you were kind of taking that and talking about a different component of this overall debate around climate change deniers. That's right. You know, I think the New York Times did some really good reporting, actually based on some environmental organizations, about one specific issue uh, that Willie Soon had not disclosed the funding of uh, certain papers that he'd written about climate change. Um, the Times even noted he called those papers deliverables to the uh, organizations uh, that were funding it, uh, but uh, basically lied to the scientific community saying that they were that they were not funded in that way. But, you know, I wanted to make a, a different point, which is, you know, why we were believing someone who's not actually a climatologist, not an astrophysicist, and actually not an expert in any of the issues that he was putting himself out uh, representing. So to me, you know, this was like uh, the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, and I know we were, me and you were talking about this over email, was, I mean, it was a light conversation, but around this kind of, we talked about this last time around climate change shaming. And there's this, there, there is this sense about um, in the growing, at least from my perspective, who knows? I mean, whatever. That there is um, a tension between climate change, people who have questions or still question climate change, and and often there's a blowback if, especially if you're kind of a political or, or a public figure, who who questions climate change. Still, do you, uh, is that what you were, you were trying to do, or you were trying to do something else? No, I think I don't think it's about shaming. I think it is the case that um, you know a lot of times in political discourse, certain reasonable questions and reasonable terms become co-opted by people who are not being reasonable. And I think this is one of those cases. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we've been those of us who've been involved in climate change for twenty years. You know, everything. It's well, it's not really happening. Okay, it's happening, but it's not because of humans. And like the word uncertainty. And the word questions, those are really important things. We all want to be skeptical uh, when people make, you know, make promises and make claims. But they've been used for so long and, and misused, I think, to take a much more radical view that actually all of climate change science is one vast conspiracy uh, to regulate Americans more, for example. 
you know, I can make an analogy. A lot of the other work I do is on sexuality and religion and politics. And, you know, nobody's against, for example, family values on the right. And nobody's against human rights either, you know, when someone on the left says that. But when you're in the business for a while and someone says family values, family values, family values, or, you know, on the other side of the, of the political fence, someone says human rights, human rights, human rights, you start to get a little tired of hearing these terms misused in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think those of us who are in the center, who are a little bit more moderate-minded, um, have gotten maybe too skeptical of the skeptics on this issue. Well, you know, the thing about Willie, Willie Soon, which is the, 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 the person that you were – the article was about – and then was kind of at least the the jumping off point for your article as well. Like I, you know, the thing about the thing about all the these articles and like that came out because a a whole slew of them came out this week after the New York Times published their first article. Um, one of the things that I find kind of difficult about all this is that I didn't know who this guy was beforehand, and I wonder sometimes if all this attention being given to to any denier who kind of comes out or anyone who's like like you're saying kind of using the data in the wrong kind of way how how much they might be now introducing them to a larger audience because i didn't know who willie soon was until all this came out well you you were you would if you were a wacko <laughs> if, you, if, uh, if you went to the right climate conventions, you know, the ones that are sponsored by the Heartland Institute that only have not just one side of the story, but just, you know, paid industry experts uh, saying things that aren't true about climate change, you would know who he was because mm-hmm. he was the star of the show for several years running. You know, if you're if you're on the staff of James Inhofe and you're, you know, saying on the floor, uh, you know, of Congress, oh, we have all these experts. He was, you know, expert number one. Um, because he was constantly being quoted, constantly being put out there. So, yeah, I mean, I think people on the street might not have known who this guy was, but people on the inside absolutely did. And, you know, there is a, there is a little bit of scapegoating going on right now, and I tried to maybe point to that in the piece, you know, the saying, oh, he's one guy who's so much worse than everyone else. Yeah, that's not quite true. You know, there's a, there's a dozen people who do what he does, which is, you know, sell dubious scientific credentials out to, you know, to a, a particular partisan point of view. Um, but he is a good poster child because he's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And uh, so there are now, you know, there are now investigations underway uh, regarding the extent to which he lied. So the the other thing I thought that was interesting about this piece um was well here let me ask you this other question because i feel like i I feel like being from the uh we're being from the south i I do find myself often having conservative views right Uh, or just have a conservative um tendencies of some kind right um and i and whatever i feel like i'm a moderate as well like you were just describing the thing that that i find kind of frustrating is how I mean, the the, the, the the Times also had a, a piece that came out this week that showed that 81% of people in the United States want action to be taken around climate change. And in that, it was 61% of Republicans favor action in climate change right now. But all of the conversation that I see going on in the media is around how Republicans are the ones i mean like you were in your your subtitle is that in you know the vast climate conspiracy theory it still has a lock on republicans 
does the, those new numbers? I mean, that's th that actually came out after your article. Does does coming to or or how or maybe you already know this kind of stuff that there are lots of Republicans who do want things to change or or does it is it as black and white as Republicans don't want it and Democrats do? Yeah, it, it, I, I hate to say this, but it is black and white when it comes to elected politicians. Um, no, I, the data that, that you just mentioned is not a surprise at all. A majority of evangelical Christians, for example, conservative uh, Christians want uh, conservative evangelical Christians want action on climate change, and by action, you know, we mean meaningful action. You know, actually reducing emissions right. or, and so on. Um, what it has this conspiracy theory does have a lock on Republican politicians, though. If you 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 know look at the look at what happened to Newt Gingrich, you know, a few years ago, who had come out as somebody who said, well, yeah, you know, there may be actually a problem here. We don't need to regulate necessarily, but we need to do something about it. You know, and he was he was uh, promoting what's called geoengineering, which I've mm -hmm. I've spent some time thinking about. You know, he was just pilloried by the right. I mean, he basically had to eat his words. He had to say, no, 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 I was I was just kidding right. when I said that it's not really an issue. Same thing, you know, now with, uh, you know, whether it's Chris Christie or anyone else who used to be sort of a moderate. Uh, same thing, you know, frankly, with, with Mitt Romney a few years ago. You know, not that he'd said what Gingrich had said, but he used to be much more moderate on that issue. You know, there is an orthodoxy. There's a politically correct orthodoxy uh, in the party right now that is is I think as someone who's on the Democrat side of the fence, you know, I think it's doing the Republican Party harm. And so I'm not really bothered about it. But it is certainly the case, you know, that this is damn. It's not just damaging the brand. It's moving the leadership away from where the rank and file actually are. And that's because there's just a whole lot of money um, on one side of this issue. And it's just political suicide to try to take on not just the Koch brothers, but you know the entire kind of energy industry and energy sector um, on this issue. And you know the reason it is black and white, I mean, if you go down the line on presidential candidates, likely presidential candidates, they're all in various degrees of denial. And exactly what you said, if you actually talk to actual Republicans, that's not where they're at at all. There's mm -hmm. a lot of diversity of opinion. Yeah, I, 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 what you're saying, it's. I think that distinction isn't often made as clearly as you just made it. That it, it very often is the Republican electorate, like the, the those who are in office who hold these views, and and often it's those like on on the national level, right? It's the the people with the loudest the loudest um voice that can. That, like you're saying, like Mitt Romney, who was completely climate change pro climate change, completely let go of that during the campaign, or at least didn't talk about it enough. And I mean, so that that that's really the issue. It's not Republicans. It's the candidates. It's the electeds. It's the candidates and and the money. And you know, Fox News isn't helping either. I mean, I think there is sort of an amen corner. Uh, you know, but I, I would settle for. Um, a real debate, you know, if there's there's not actually any scientific uncertainty as to the existence of man-made climate change, but there is on the extent. I'd be happy to have, you know, an intelligent debate that I could watch but not participate in, you know, among <laughs> scientists who actually know what they're talking about. Um, and there, you know, there is room for there's there's degrees of uncertainty. That's what science is. It's never it's never black and white. And you know, that would be a great conversation to actually have. But, you know, unfortunately, because of the influence of, of big money on, on politics, you know, this is what happens. And look, it happens on all sides of the fence. You know, right now with Scott Walker taking on the unions in Wisconsin, 
you can't there if you talk to democrats who are actual people you know there's a wide range of opinion about unions and how much power they have mm -hmm. but if you talk to a democratic politician about unions they'll never take on the unions because there's so much money involved right. so you know there again that's an example on the democrat side where there's a big gap between democrat actual democratic voters um, and their party leadership and this is what we see on the republican side i love that idea of Let's not let's stop talking about whether it's true or not. Let's start talking about the extent and let's start talking about like what are real options to to get things to move, right? I mean, that should be where the conversation is. This should be a rational conversation. This should not be this is not a partisan issue. You know, there are people in all parts of the country who are going to be affected by climate change, resources from all over the country, food prices, you know, things like that. This should be a conversation for scientists and economists. And we should have we should be able to get to yes on this issue because it's just not that partisan. Again, unfortunately, you know, there really is a distorting influence of not just the little money. We're not talking about like, you know, a, a few thousand dollars or a few million dollars. You know, we're talking about multi-billion dollars and huge amounts of money over the last 10 years that have been spent on, on climate denial. And, and that does have an impact. There's a reason why the United States is behind every other country in the world, basically, you know, developed country in the world uh, on this issue. And, and we're losing out now to China in terms of developing smart solutions uh, for climate change that are, you know, technological solutions that could actually make a difference. Right. So we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot by, you know, by, by denying, by sticking our heads in the sand. Awesome. Jay, that was great. That was great. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, anything? Yeah, I was just going to ask, um, you know, when, when you were talking about the, the credentials and all of, of um, Mr. Soon and um, I guess some other other uh, um, people that that um, Republican uh, electorate and all have put forward, uh, are those credentials often checked? beforehand because you were talking about there are all kinds of investigations and into this the person's credentials and everything else after the fact um so it depends checked by whom you know if yeah. you go on there's a there's a pretty left-wing climate blog called the dsmog blog and i can't necessarily support everything that's on that website so i just want to say that at the outset but one thing that they did was uh, the heartland institute's 58 experts which i mentioned in my piece they went through all 58 of them and listed how many articles they've had published uh what their area of expertise actually is you know and not a single one it's interesting that willie soon was the only one that had the most articles published and that was nine right he was the best of the wow. bunch you know the vast majority of these guys have absolutely zero expertise uh, in these areas some of them are PhDs in science but they're PhDs in things that have nothing to do with climate science you know ecology but right. right. physics things that don't actually have any bearing on the subject matter at hand mm -hmm. but they're put up because there there does need to be the story is of climate denial is that we're not sure we need to study science more because there's there's difference of opinion within the scientific community. All right, that's the story. So to support that story, you need something. So what you have are these experts, paid experts, who actually are not climate experts, um, and that's why they're put up. So uh, if you go to any actual climate conference where there's a range of opinion on the extent of climate change, there you'll see climatologists, people who publish 10, 20, 30, even 40 articles in peer-reviewed scientific journals, and they'll be debating exactly what you and I were talking about. What are they, or what we were talking about a moment yeah. ago? What What can we yeah. do? What's a feasible solution? How much would it cost? Because we can't just do everything, you know, regardless of cost. 
Um, but they so on that side they're checked, but on this side they're put up to parrot a particular point of view, so they're not checked. All right, I think that's going to be the last word because we got to go. All right, I didn't mean to go over. Sorry. No, no, Jeff, uh, Jay, Jay, it was awesome. I love, I love the energy, man. I love yeah. the conversation. We're gonna have to, we have to get you back on and talk to you more about this, because um, it's, uh, it's such an interesting topic, and I think there's so many perspectives that just have to get talked about. And I, so I appreciate you being on the show. Well, and I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. We, we thank really you. do need a reasonable middle on this issue. So thank you. Cool. All right. Thanks. You know, I gotta say, like he, Jay says a lot of great things. That it's so yeah. true. I mean, a, a, a debate needs to be about the extent what happens. I mean, I think yeah. we. I wish and by that, experts, yeah, and by people who actually know what they're talking about. Or by people like, for instance, I don't think a carbon tax is the right solution for a car for climate change. Right. But we can't get past whether it is or isn't true, and we can't get <laughs> like to have a real get into the solution. serious like public debate about that. You know what I mean? Like. Right. And I think it is the public debate. I think it is the public debate that when things can really kind of have to get kind of simplified to the point that where absolutely you can that people can start to say is this or is this not the right solution? And I, I, I mean, I've not heard yes. anyone say anything but carbon tax. Everybody we've had yeah. on that's talked about yeah, solutions let's, say carbon. Let's tax. See what we can find. Yeah, we'll see what we can find because I mean. Obviously, with with eighty, what was it, eighty one percent of the the general public saying something something should be done. Done. The the conversation uh, that the general public is overwhelming. I mean, it, it, there isn't there isn't a a real debate happening in uh, the the general public that whether or not something has happened or is happening that's yeah. been decided. Now it's just a matter of what are we going to do about it. Yeah, I think it, and and then and that's it's a very complicated situation because it depends, right? Like because yeah. the way you solve droughts is very different than the way you solve, you know, heat waves in right. areas that are not having droughts, you know, versus like agriculture being and and there is a huge body of work around these different topics too. So it's not like we have to yeah. solve this and then Absolutely. we can. There are these things, but I I mean I want to bring it into less the jargon rich industry yeah. and into the main conversation of the public cool. so that it has to be talked about in ways that we can all uh, talk about it speaking about yep. uh uh political will yeah and about i don't know if it's going to be available at 12 o'clock but this is mysterious but tomorrow uh-huh uh season three of the house of cards Oh yeah, is on Netflix. That's gonna be awesome. And you know, if we can get if we can get Francis oh. Underwood onto the climate side, climate. He's change, from your hometown. You know, he's you a should, Democrat too. He's a Democrat. He's a Democrat from your hometown. From my hometown, we should get him to be busting yeah. some heads for climate change. That's what we should do. That would be badass. Are you gonna binge watch season three? I don't know. I, I, I sometimes I binge watch. Sometimes I don't. Um, who knows? I'm gonna try not to. Why I, not? Got, I got a I got a pretty bad Ooh. schedule this week, so this weekend yeah. as well. But uh, if I so I can't watch, but I'm really excited. I didn't think season two was as good as season one, but I'm like, yeah. I bet season three is gonna be better. Cool, it's gonna be better. 
So, is it going to have a zombie in it <laughs> of a particular person you you said died in oh, the last season right. yeah, when sorry. you blew it? Um, you, Zoe, the spoiler man. Zoe is Zoe got. <gasps> you truck. did it again! <laughs> oh my god! You blew it! I mean, oh my god! Again, you better watch this. You better Damn watch it, House Neil. of Cards season three because I'm going to okay, spoiler right, alert right. you to next week about serious stuff. I'm going to be on Twitter talking okay. about this as I watch it too. So. All right. Um, All right. And so, and I guess the other thing that we need to talk about to, yeah. on a on a on a positive note, in some ways, yes. is you put a, a video on your Facebook page this week yeah. about the it's the dark what 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 was it the dark um yeah it's kind of I mean uh, Power it's Rangers a, it, yeah yeah it's it just went I mean it went viral blew up. Um, I guess the the people who own the rights to Power Rangers flipped out, tried to get it taken down. It I think it it was taken down from Vimeo. Um, I don't know if it's still up anywhere. I haven't seen it like in the last day, mm. but um, it just blew up, man. It was, and it was so it was so awesome. It was violent. Um, I saw yeah. it. On, I saw it on I mean, your uh, yeah. I saw it on your Facebook, <laughs> and it says like the the just. Just got a lot, you know, the Power Rangers just got a lot darker. darker. And we're yep. a Power Ranger family here because, like, the Uh-oh. kids, my kid you loves. Said family. And I was like, oh, oh it can't be that buddy. dark. I was like, come here, Thunder, watch this. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> 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 it's like, I don't know. People get their heads blown off. And it was like, it was, uh, it was a good piece of cinema. I got to say, it was a good yeah. piece of cinema. Was, yeah. And have you seen, I, I was trying to think about the other one. Um, there was one is directed by the same guy who did um, Detention was the name of another um, film and no, something else. And I, have, I haven't seen his other work, but I think he's he's also um, a very famous um, music video person too. Uh, I have not seen that. I have not seen that. I will tell you um, that. Jane, uh, yeah. I gotta say that Con? that Power Rangers was the darkest thing I'd ever seen anyone do to like a kid's show ever. <laughs> and it, it just had to be done. Ever. I mean I mean Batman Return. Yeah, no 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 Not kidding. It, I mean that it, was didn't like get close to the darkness. That was pitch. Yeah. That was that was hard boiled, man. Yeah, yeah. This was like what I'd, like I'd like to see that done to He Man. That'd be badass. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power of great score. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And they like rocking some death metal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before, be we, awesome. uh, before oh, we sorry. before we before uh, we go too far off, um, just want to give you a little update. Uh, yeah. I, I introduced my green building ordinance uh, draft to South Orange uh, last the South Orange uh, Environmental Commission last week. Cool. It is now going through the process um, of you know the 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 big meat grinder of you know local politics. Yeah. I, I I don't know where else. I think we're going to talk about it on the planning board on Monday. I, if we do, I'll give you an update. But that's where Man, we are. That's awesome. And I know that's I was good supposed. Job. To, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You never know. You never know. Well. You never know. A for effort. A for effort. Yeah. If I got if I could if I got paid for effort, I would be. <laughs> A billionaire. A a billionaire. Really, really rich. Add a bunch of consonants and and billionaire at the end of it. Also, I said I was gonna do. uh, I was gonna do my first uh, concrete form. I got sick last week and I just was not able to. So I'm gonna. I've got the mold ready to go. So next week I'll get. I have an update. I have an update for it. 
Awesome. All right. That's it. Is that it? Yeah, man. That's it. I think we wrapped it up. I'm Neil Chambers. I'm Jefferson Ulmer. And this is OCD Design Cast. Thanks for listening. Yeah!